Welcome to the Scariest Things Podcast, your gateway to the trends and tropes of the horror genre. This is episode 134, Cryptids. Coming to you direct from Cryptid Central, a.k.a. Sasquatchville. (laughs) A.k.a. Halloween. A.k.a. Well, that's not a place it's a time scariest well, day true. of the year it's, it's the scariest day, day we are recording on the scariest day of the year and uh, and highly unusual for portland oregon it is a beautiful sunny day i know on halloween it is a warm 60 degrees and the sun is out and the fall colors are changing it was wonderful it, it is, is wonderful it is beautiful and uh how That's is nice. it in new orleans liz it's williams it's about 70 degrees sunny and lovely yeah actually that i think halloween is about the best time in new orleans oh yeah Oh yeah, it's gonna be great tonight. Yeah. So uh, as you may have guessed, that uh, that was Liz, and this is, I'm Eric Lee, and, and this I, is Mike Campbell coming to you from Halloween Bigfoot Central. Yes, uh, <laughs> the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, Mike. Mike. Mike uh, surprised me with the uh, with Halloween. Yeah, with the, with the Halloween announcement. But um, you should have known it was coming up because you are a horror podcaster. Well. Right? Or yeah. I'm just a, a, a human living in the United States. Who, the day, you have, today. You have to load up with your candy. So yeah, but I uh, I spent uh, you know yesterday Mike and I went down to enjoy a fabulous fall football game. Yes, indeed. Uh, yes, indeed. And uh, upon returning back to Portland, I uh, set up my uh, my Halloween decorations. I got my Atmos effects Hell machine yeah. cranked Ooh. up. Got myself, they've, they've got two new pumpkin jamboree uh, things so that you can actually cast animations on real pumpkins. Hell, so they will sing yeah. and tell scary stories to the people coming up on your cool. deck. And then I got some some new, uh, I think they call it specters, which which will zoom across my balcony and at night. And so people can see it from about three blocks away it's gonna for be those super that cool. those that don't, don't know tell us about atmos well atmos funny you ask <laughs> <laughs> it is they are one of our uh partners in uh, yes indeed and uh they we if you go to our website you can see you can you can click on the link to atmos fx and uh, all of the wonderful stuff they have now this is probably getting to you after halloween so if you have some that's uh, okay. They have just, stuff it, for Christmas and all other Christmas. holidays. Yeah, and just yeah. get ready for next Halloween. Come well, on. Yeah. I mean, if yep. you feel, felt like you got shown up by your neighbors this year, <laughs> and next year you want to blow the neighborhood away with how cool your Halloween setup is, go get yourself a digital projector from Atmos FX. And if you already own for one, sure. you should check out some of the new things. They have some new creepy portraits that you can actually... This doesn't even have to be cast on the outside. You can do like your own Halloween party, and you can have... Project things like spiders crawling out of your walls. Yes. Or you, can, oh. or you can have, you can cast, if you have a blank wall, you can cast a, an image of a, of talking, of like creepy portraits with ghosts on them that will slowly decay in front of your eyes. Oh, cool. It is really, really cool stuff. And again, don't be of, one up by your neighbor. Yes. That's, that's right. A, that's the take this home is, message yeah, here. Do is, not be one up by your neighbor. This is horror shame. <laughs> Do not be shamed. You're better than your neighbor. <laughs> you are better than your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, you, when when the kids come over and you know all you have is a bag of candy for them to when they when that you know, you sucks. Want, you want to open the door and behind you you want to have something coming up, stalking them, ready to to take their candy from them. That's that's what you want. This is Halloween as a contact sport. This that's is competitive right. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be one up by your neighbor. So, Come on, anyways, get an Atmos yeah. projector. Uh, so go go uh, 
click on our links and, and see what it, what all the buzz is about. It's really amazing stuff. It is, indeed. Indeed. Uh, yep. So, that said, we yes. have uh, a Northwest favorite, which is... Although it is... It is, it is, it's, a, it glo- is it's global phenomenon. It is, it is global phenomenon, and I think the, I think the Southeast uh, in Liz's neck of the woods has also laid claim to many, many cryptids, but... Before we jump into that, Eric's can give us a definition, a true definition of cryptid. So we have a guidepost to lead us into this episode. Yes. Uh, the word cryptid is a term which is used in cryptozoology, no surprise, to refer to a creature <laughs> whose existence has been suggested but lacks scientific support. Uh, who was the first dude to lay it on us? Well, that would And be, when did he lay it on us? <laughs> that would be John E. Wall. In 1983, he wrote a letter to the International Society of Cryptozoology... Newsletter. Evidence of the cryptids, existence of cryptids is typically limited to anecdotal evidence or other forms of evidence insufficient to withstand normal scientific scrutiny by the general zoological community, a.k.a. hokum. (laughs) (laughs) The existence of several cryptids has been debunked through scientific investigation by cryptozoologists, zoologists, and other interested parties. Some allegations have been exposed as deliberate hoaxes. For example, the surgeon's photograph which I did not know of. Hmm. Still, cryptozoology is a subject that has made its way into popular culture and often intrigues media consumers, as illustrated by shows like Monster Quest, Destination Truth, and The Secret Saturdays. And it actually is the derived what, the from what, the what, term. what, and what? Yeah. <laughs> yes, all of this is apparently not so famous. To, or, you know. Hip shows in 1983. <laughs> so yep. the term cryptid actually... Uh, is derived from Greek, uh, meaning hide. So, yeah. oh, like uh-huh. as in to okay. hide. Yes. Okay. As in to yeah. hide. Okay. So, anyways, I'm, I'm going to say John E. Wall is a uh, made-up name. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. John, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the podcast, and you could tell us a little yeah. bit more about cryptids. defend your existence because yes. <laughs> I think uh, Mike is trying to debunk John. the existence of John E. Wall. I think that he you thinks he a, himself is a you are a fake. Cryptid. He's a cryptid. Hit. Yes. Um, so you know, I think my my first recollections of cryptids uh-huh. was from the 1970s show starring Leonard Nimoy, best show ever, In Search of. Hell yeah! Yeah, and no, that was, was absolutely the best show ever. Mine, mine was a, mine was close to that in that I we used to go there. Used to have this natural history museum in Spokane, which is like since um, been recast as something else. Um, it's still a natural history museum, but they had uh, the Patterson Gimlin film and or the Gimlin Patterson film. I don't know which comes first, Gimlin or Patterson, but they had the they had the Bigfoot film and they had a couple plaster casts of big feats. And (laughs) I, you know, I was probably all of like six or seven, but I used to go to that. I used to just make a beeline to that exhibit every time we would go to the Natural History Museum. And I was so intrigued by that and so intrigued by the Patterson-Gimlin film that like by the time In Search of rolled around, which was like a couple years after that, I was Mm -hmm. I was all ears. I was ready to just take all that stuff in immediately, and that set me on a lifetime of horror podcasting. The thing I love about <laughs> cryptids is how all the imagery is just blurry enough to be suggestive. That's right. It's like there's that's nothing right. is in perfect focus. It's either from a long way away, or you see like a furry arm, yep. or you see something that might be a sea serpent, 
Or it could be a guy's arm in the water making the shape mm-hmm. of a dinosaur. <laughs> Liz, what about cryptids in the southeast U.S.? I think Florida has some. I don't know. This is not. <laughs> Florida is a cryptid in and of itself. Yeah, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Cryptid. Not my uh, wheelhouse, but I have been to Loch Ness in Scotland. Oh, I have too. I have too. Nessie. Didn't mm-hmm. see it, but yep. doesn't mean it's not there. There's a plesiosaur somewhere in there. Oh hell yep, yeah! Something's in there. I yep. went, yeah, I went, I went to Loch Ness in nine, the first time I went was in 1984, I think, and I specifically was like, we're going out of our way, we're going whatever it was, yeah. three hours out of our way to go up north to Inverness so that I can get on a goddamn and boat. Find this, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you, and you froze your ass off waiting to see something. It was, yeah, it was in the middle of summer and it was, you know, like 52, yeah, it's 52 cold. degrees. It's 50 and degrees. Yeah, same. <laughs> I did not. I did not see Nessie, but I did. I. I will say this. Uh, you know that lake is so dark and dank and shadowy and spooky that I'm well, not surprised. I'm not surprised people have not. I've seen things. Yeah. Uh, although, like a giant marine reptile in water that's that cold and in <laughs> right, fresh water, I right. don't. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But hey, let's roll with it. Um, yes. So here are some other famous mm. cryptids. Uh, you know, I think that there's. There's some of this is a bit of Americana. I mean, for mm-hmm. the, the, sure. the, uh, you know, and definitely we, we, we has a close tie to something we just talked about folklore, right? Right. Local legends right. that people will claim to have been seen, to have seen, like the Oklahoma octopus. If you're familiar with the Oklahoma octopus, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> famous P.T. Barnum. Fiji mermaid, yes, which is a roadside attraction in many places where you stitch the body of a bass to a dead monkey and call it a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> the jackalope, which is a, mm-hmm. of right. course, everybody, everybody, if you travel through Colorado or New Mexico, and you'll find bad taxidermy of a bunny rabbit with horns stitched to its head. They're great. Uh, I think Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Axe, a uh, blue blue ox. Uh, yeah. It's like that's sort of a fable, kind of. It's like sure. Uh, well, actually, that's probably more of a legend than a than a cryptid. Uh, the Jersey Devil, definitely a cryptid. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, the Chupacabra. Right. The mm-hmm. Wendigo. Yep. The Yeti. Mm-hmm. Alligators in the sewers of Miami. <laughs> Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, the Kraken. Yeah. And the bunyip. Huh. You know what all... you forgot from the Pacific Northwest? Come well, on. of course, Bigfoot. No, that's well, Big Bigfoot. Foot. No, 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 I'm not, not, not Bigfoot. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, the, sorry, what, the, the list Crater goes Lake on. Monster. The list goes on. What? The Crater Lake Monster? No, there is no such thing as a Crater Lake Monster, but there is a movie about Ogopogo it. Ogopogo from oh. Lake Lake Okanagan up oh, in right, up right, in right, up right. in Canada. Right. Yeah. That's Come not, on. Yeah, well, that's not Oregon. You said. I said Pacific Northwest. That's Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I think any big body of fresh water tends to, you know. Will have a lake monster in it because Ogopogo. Well, yeah, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if Lake Lake Superior should have a have a sea have some sort of a, a cryptid monster. Hopefully they do. Hopefully yeah. they do. Anyhow, so those are the uh, for those of you who were not uh, wise to the to what a cryptid is. That's our definition. We had to kind of and 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 Liz had to get walked through. It's like exactly what are we talking? Yeah, about I had to look it up. I don't know. I'm not a creature feature person, so yeah. I don't know. But, all right, but before we jump into it, a uh, quick question for each of you. Liz, do you yes. have you ever seen a cryptid? Do you believe in cryptids? No, I've never seen one, but I won't rule them out yet. All I'll right. go back to Scotland to investigate. Take all right. me back. Eric? <laughs> no. No to both? 
No, no. You haven't seen one. You don't believe in them. I think I tend to think that I I I I think they are fanciful fabrications. Okay. Okay. I I am I am the Scully to your okay. Mulder. I'll be the Mulder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to echo exactly what Liz said. I don't believe in them, but I would love to go back to Scotland to investigate. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to think there is a giant octopus roaming the. Uh, the lakes of Oklahoma, I guess. <laughs> but you know, I do too. That's amazing. I I don't think it's it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to think that there. You know, I, as a little boy, the thing that I wanted most to be real is the lost world. Right. There right. Was, there was some place in Venezuela on the high the high mesas that there would be this place where the dinosaurs survived the extinction. Right. Now that we know much more about what caused the dinosaur extinction is like, yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But maybe there's a cave that there was some sort of a, di- well, well, you know, dinosaurs are amongst us, actually. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like two molders and a scully. All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's look at a pelican. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> right. So, uh, Liz, let's, let's get into it. All right. Why don't you, okay. we'll, we'll let, we'll let you lead off for our, uh, our cryptid discussion. All right. Okay, my choice is 2002's The Mothman Prophecies. This is the story of uh, the Mothman, which is West Virginia lore. He is a humanoid creature reportedly reportedly seen in the Point Pleasant area from November of 1966 to December of 1967. He's described as a large flying man with 10-foot wings and red glowing eyes. And... This movie is directed by Mark Pellington, who, fun fact, directed the Pearl Jam video for Jeremy. Um, And it stars, (laughs) yep, stars Richard Gere and Laura Linney. So you've got some nice acting chops uh, in this film. Very good. And yeah, uh, it's much more of a thriller than a horror movie. But it fits our bill, and this is Richard Gere uh, plays a journalist whose wife dies in a car accident when they swerve to avoid this huge flying black figure. Only and she Richard can see. Gere, yep. yeah, that, yep, that only she can see. And Richard Gere survives, and um, two years later, he gets lost like on a road trip in West Virginia and finds himself in Point Pleasant. And it's hundreds of miles off his route and his car breaks down and um, all sorts of, you know, creepy things, you know, uh, I guess, unfurl. And then Laura Linney plays a sheriff who begins to be romantically involved with Richard Gere. And she has a dream that some... Thing says wake up number 37 and there's this other guy named Gordon who's in the town played by Will Patton who is uh, an actor who you'll recognize from tons of stuff mm-hmm. and he's also seeing this moth-like creature and yeah the whole town what, is suffering from yeah, visions the, exactly and, this and was actually there, no one true I mean or that the, the, yeah the, it's the, true or that that the, there were based on true. Like group hysteria or mass hysteria in the town of Point Pleasant. That yeah, mm-hmm. it happened. It happened in what 1965 or something 60, like that. 66. 66. 66. Yeah, and then yeah. there was a book that came out in the mid 70s. Right. Apparently, yeah. Supposedly the the book is really really good and super super yeah. interesting. It, it took them a long time. I think yeah, because I think the book came out in like 75. Right. 
And uh, it wasn't, I, I think this movie is 2000, what, 2002? This movie is 2002, but um, like, yeah, this is based on a real accident. So I, I don't know if it's really a spoiler to say that yep. all these people are, you know, having visions of this Mothman. Each person is getting kind of a different piece of the puzzle. And then Richard Gere's character gets a phone call from this person named Indrid Cole. And, they, you know, they try to use the voice software and no one can hear it. It's not a man's voice things like that. And then there's a bridge collapse and this happened in reality in this town and people died in the seventies. Um, like a lot in the seventies. Yeah. It was, um, 46 people in reality died. And in 1971, they said that they finally found that it was a failure of an eye bar and a suspension chain, but, um, not a Mothman. (laughs) <laughs> Could have been a Mothman. Could have been a Mothman. I don't know. Yes. But the Mothman was like warning the yeah, people the that was something was going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that that was the, you know, the uh, and, and and I was not familiar with the story of what happened in Point Pleasant. And so, you know, the the character, you know, Richard Gere's character, John, mm-hmm. when he when he started getting because this is collision <laughs> we, we, okay. we were yep. on the, we were thinking the same thing here um i i he he did some investigation and then he was warned you should stay away from that town something horrible is going to happen right this is the, mm-hmm. the mothman is a um is a is a signal that something something is awful is going to happen and since so many people have have seen similar visions um they're probably likely to fall victims as well right and um you know, I think when you, <clears throat> if you go into an old rusty bridge in in West Virginia and you put enough cars in there that could fall enough into cars, the river, yeah, <laughs> it's like, and they're stuck in there in the winter time. Yeah, I could sort of say it's <laughs> an engineering failure, but it's not. It wasn't like the Mothman was pulling the pins out of the the thing. It was like, be careful, right. Mothman says warning. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, well, you, the Mothman just told them ninety nine people were going to die, and then. Yeah. He didn't say where. You know what's crazy about the Mothman? The, the Mothman. I I wasn't familiar with the Mothman either, and then I started to look into. I I watched I watched the Mothman prophecies, the 2002 version, and then I was like, but as I was as I was clacking away on the computer and I typed in the words Mothman, up came about 20 plus films, uh, Mothman films. There are so many Mothman films out there. Yeah. There's been remakes of remakes of remakes of you know this Mothman that Mothman yeah. short films, feature length films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean it's 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 clear that people are super interested in the Mothman, and it's clear that you know within a certain subsect of uh, cryptozoologists, Mothman is super duper popular. I didn't know a thing about it, and yeah. I, 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 and I, right. I started to wonder. I wonder if it is kind of a more of a regional thing, like like where the you know Bigfoot yeah, is a Pacific is. Northwest thing, but the Mothman is an a, is, a, is a mid Midwest Appalachian thing. Yeah, and well, the the uh, it's such a popular thing that there is a Mothman festival every third weekend mm-hmm. in September. I know, Point Pleasant, and it's a really big event. And I know, they, and they have a they have a statue of the Mothman, and it's become <clears throat> sort of a again folklore. Yeah, this mm-hmm. it's it is a uh, it, it is what put Point Pleasant on the map. Uh, that there was one a disaster, and two that the this this creature that everybody had been seeing in their dreams um, was the, uh, 
was associated with it. And yep. so, um, but it's right. not, it has not been seen since. Yeah. Point Pleasant, look for the Scariest Things podcast to, to join you at your festival next year. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. We're coming to West Virginia. West Virginia. Or I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> Mama. Okay. All right. What you got? Mike. Who's next? Uh, I'm going to, I am going, of course, I always like to go right to the top of the mountain for uh, for any film that we're talking about or any subgenre of horror films we're talking about. I am talking about the 1972 American docudrama horror film about the the Falk monster, which I was that was what I was alluding to oh. with with Liz uh, in the southeast. This, of course, is the Legend of Boggy Creek, one of my all all time favorite films. I actually sat down and rewatched this. This is about a Bigfoot type creature that roams the uh, swamps in and around Texarkana and Folk, Arkansas. People have been reporting. I've never heard of this. Yeah, people have been reporting the folk monster. Uh, it's F O U K E, folk monster. I wonder if that's folk. a derivation of just, you know, people trying to say folk. But yeah, it could be. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, but the, people have been reporting seeing this creature since the 1940s. But the thing that's great about this is that it was directed, the film's director and producer is this guy, Charles Pierce, who was basically just an advertising salesman who was like, hey, you know what? I'll bet if I made it. <laughs> I made a you know essentially a fake cryptid movie like this. I could sell it to drive-ins all over the place, and I would probably make a mint. Uh, cut to uh, yes, he did make a mint. <laughs> him, him, him rolling in stacks of hundos and yeah, it cost about a hundred thousand dollars because he essentially paid a bunch of high school kids to play all the various parts of the film, and they're almost all uncredited. He made about twenty-five million dollars off. Uh, the legend of no. Boggy Creek, twenty-five million, what? because yeah, it was. It I never was, even heard of this though. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. It actually even spawned uh, two sequels, two unofficial sequels, and one official sequel. The two unofficial sequels were in 1977. They did the Return to Boggy Creek, and then 2010 they did Boggy Creek: The Legend Is True. In 1985, the official one was Boggy Creek Two, and the legend continues. The thing that's uh, incredible about this is he uses staged interviews with local residents uh, who mm -hmm. claimed encounters, and then they did these sort of almost like cops-type reenactments with uh, a monster. But the thing that's awesome about it is narr it's narrated all the way through the film. And so the, mm -hmm. he doesn't – he uses this clever device, which I've never, ever seen before. The actors don't even talk. It's just people talking over the actors as they're uh, sort of pantomiming what's happening. And it creates a really interesting kind of almost disconnected effect between the action and the narrative storytelling. Mm -hmm. But I thought, I think it's really creepy. Um, the thing that's wonderful about it is, of course, it has all the awesome 70s you know, the sort of uh, sunsets and lens flares and sort of pull focus kind of stuff. I mean, it, it is like fully wrapped in 1972. And it has a wonderful and very loving uh, Boggy Creek song that is uh, about the Boggy Creek monster that is about as unscary as a song as you will ever, ever find. <laughs> it almost sounds like a, like a Seals and Crofts song. Um, it, it is, you know, I, I think it's really, it's, it's a it's a great, great film. Uh, the Little Rock, uh, the Arkansas Gazette from Little Rock said scene after scene of 
almost pristine wilderness is a visual feast. It's sheer honesty, rigid adherence to authenticity. It's highly persuasive that there is indeed a folk monster. It's scary and charming. Now, that, granted, that review was written in 1972. And it was also uh, an Arkansas uh, <laughs> It was an Arkansas paper, paper trying to hustle an Arkansas right. film. Yeah, try, it's like, come to Arkansas, <laughs> lovely Arkansas, and see the, see the legend Falk, of Boggy Creek. See the Falk monster. If you've ever been to a video store in your entire life, I guarantee you, you have seen the box. I guarantee mm-hmm. you have seen the poster art. Um, they did do in 2019, I guess the daughter of Charles B. Pierce, uh, she ultimately ended up with the rights to the film. And so she did like a full, I don't think it's a 4K restoration, but they did a full, full uh, restoration of the film. Mm-hmm. And that was the version I saw, which was a, it was a Blu-ray, mm. Blu-ray DVD. And it looked super, super nice because they shot the whole thing on film. So The Legend of Boggy Creek, I think, is right up there at the top of the mountain for cryptid. Horror. All right. Well, okay. speaking of, and you guys, mountains, neither of you have seen it. Nope. No. Oh, you got to see the Legend of Boggy Creek. You can uh, even you can watch it on YouTube too. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like it's probably <laughs> public domain at this point because I know it, it isn't because the because they they, they, they did they, yeah because the the daughter did go through I think somewhat okay. of a hassle to get the rights to it so she could re-release it and get royalties from it. Yep. Yep. Well, on the opposite end of the uh, of the the scale, and we are talking about <laughs> mountains, but we're this is this is a super low budget 1974 film. What? Uh, this is Shriek of the Mu- What? You're surprised that I watch movies from the 70s? <laughs> <laughs> this is Shriek of the Mutilated. Oh, yeah. Uh, by a director never- named Michael Findlay. Um, I didn't dig deep enough. This, <laughs> this is a terrible movie. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun. It is, it is one of those... Uh, it, it, it does not look good. It, it looks re- absolutely ridiculous. It has absolutely horrible acting. But it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> when is a Yeti movie not a Yeti movie? When it's filmed in upstate New York, <laughs> where supposedly okay. the legendary Yeti lives. There is an explanation for this, actually, because it comes, comes by. And it's essentially we have a bunch of idiots sort of who fall for, the, fall for a line that there's a Yeti in upstate New York. Um, and this is uh, starring a guy named Alan Brock, who plays Doctor, uh, an anthropology professor, Doctor Prell, and his students, uh, Jennifer uh, or Karen, played didn't, by Jennifer Stock. Didn't Prell used to be a shampoo? It is still. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I guess uh, no, you you wouldn't. You know, there's no no connections. Okay. Here. Okay. Uh, his uh, his star student Keith Henshaw, who is a. Uh, uh, Sort of a sycophantic uh, uh, true believer of everything that Dr. Prell has announced about this Yeti. Uh, uh, there's Lynn, who is the groovy, big glasses, <laughs> uh, sort of boy crazy uh, grad student, and Tom, who's the swaggering um, party boy. Uh, and he's played by Jack Newbeck. I don't know if any of these people are still alive or if they did any more movies, because they, they they these people probably would struggle in a community theater. <laughs> um, but if you're still around, but yeah, so and on the podcast, <laughs> Anthropo- anthropology professor Prell takes his research team of grad students to the nearby Catskill Mountains to find the elusive yeti that he firmly believes is resident on an island. The students are more interested than partying 
and having a good time than actually believing in Dr. Prell's mission. That is except for Keith, who's the star pupil, <laughs> right. the true believer. Uh, and uh, right before they leave, they, uh, the three other students go to a super groovy party with like bell bottoms and lava lamps and Sweet. all the 70s. Like, yep. They actually right. have, a, have a, a van that looks like the mystery machine from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> uh, and they, they, but anyways, they're having a good old time just trying to uh, uh, score weed and booze. And uh, when one of the professor's previous students comes in ranting and raving about the dangers of going out to the Catskills, and how he and his previous group of colleagues, they all died, and he's the lone survivor from the previous mission. And then he eventually, they don't, they, they all say, oh, you're just crazy. And then he ends up killing himself in the bathtub. It's like, right. uh, poor dude. Mm. Um, but when they reach their, their research destination, it's a suburban split-level house. Oh, in upstate New York, and <laughs> it is it is the uh, the the base camp for the gloriously mustachioed colleague of Doctor Prell, Doctor Werner. And Doctor Werner comments that he's heard the the telltale shriek of the Yeti in the nearby woods. Prell then takes the dubious students out on the island in search of the furry beast, and guess what? It finds them, and it looks like a wampa from Empire Strikes Back and Santa Claus. <laughs> With fangs, <laughs> and he's—they don't really, you know—he's—he's he's sort of bounding around the buildings. They—they they found a guy who could like jump, uh huh. And so he leaps are they, around. Are they actually in the woods though, or are they? Yeah, they—they kind of. They, they, there's, there's a house, and then they wander out. Like, uh, is there snow? No, there's no snow. <laughs> there's no snow, and and um, you know that that eventually the wampus or not wampa the yeti right <laughs> starts taking out. Uh, some of the students and they and and they begin you know the the surviving students begin to panic mm-hmm. um, and so then they try and set up a trap and the doc, and, and Dr. Prell goes I'm so close we can't stop now um, <laughs> uh, and the rationale and if you guys don't mind a bit of spoiler alert stuff for shriek for shriek of the mutilated oh absolutely not the, yeah. it's a this is this is a this is a crypt the, uh, it's a fake cryptid this is a guy in a suit right. What? Wait, Run, what? Running around, <laughs> and it's actually a cannibal cult, cannibal Satan cult. That oh, I didn't see that. That coming. they're trying to do. Well, you know, it's funny. You don't even need. You don't even uh, need to watch the film to know that because they cover that in the poster. Yeah, literally yeah. in the poster oh, it says a frenzied hunt for a hideous beast uncovers an evil cannibal cult, and death <laughs> is the devil's blessing. That's right on okay. the movie poster. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so they spoiled themselves. They spoiled themselves on the movie poster. Yep. And, Amazing. And, and so then they have a bu- they, they parade in a bunch of these dignitaries from all over the world to go, the, and they have to eat somebody who's died of fright. And so the whole thing was that the, the, the good doctor was actually trying to pick students who he thought were going to easily die of fright <laughs> and, and bring them up to his cabin in upstate New York and eat them. I do want the poster, though. If anybody out there listening has the poster and is willing to give it up, I would love the poster. It's the poster great. You should check. Actually, there is currently, Mike. Yes. Uh, the, you could check emovieposter.com. Uh, emovieposter.com, okay. They are currently doing, are they doing, their, doing Halloween, their Halloween sale. They're doing their Halloween sale. They got a couple thousand posters that they're okay. that they're on sale from as, as, as low as $1 and as much as $20,000. Okay. So, yeah, this one looks Shriek like of the a... Mutilated probably you can get for five bucks. Uh, it's on eBay. I don't know. On I don't eBay, know. it's going for like 250 
250. Wow. <laughs> so this okay. was, yeah, I, I think um, it's rated R, uh, for, <laughs> but it's... It, it, for uh, evil cannibal Satanism. Yeah, and and you know that they had you know they would the the yeti would walk around with like or there would be they'd find a like a shredded stump of an arm from one of the kids. Right, right. And it's like and they but it was like there was their one prop and they kept using it over and over and over again. <laughs> it's like, well, we we spent the money to build a fake arm, so let's use it. Right, right. Uh, it's completely <laughs> ridiculous. The film stock quality is completely shoddy at this point. Right. It's it's uh it's it it's stretched and burned at the edges like like the projector ran too long um and there are times when you can't make anything out because it's just there's too much contrast because all the midtones and the uh uh the colorization has been leached out of it so there is it's it's available for free on some mute i think if you if you hunt for it on youtube uh you can't get it on amazon it is sort of there's a there you can get DVD copies, but I don't know if mm. they're if they're the same janked up copies. You're, I, I you're, don't know. I mean, I, I I I went for the cheapest thing that I could get. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyhow, I'm excited. Tr- I will Shriek be of the watching Mutilated. This. It is it is so gonzo silly and and fun. Just just be ready for uh, a movie that is uh, objectively poorly made. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> but All right. it doesn't mean doesn't mean that it can't be enjoyable. That's right. That's true. Liz, what's okay. your number two? All right. My number two is taking a turn. It is not a movie. It is a TV show. Surprise. Um, <laughs> yep. It is also brand spanking new. And Uh-oh. it is season three, episode seven of What We Do in the Shadows. And it is called <laughs> The Siren. Yes. So, oh, my God. Yeah. Sirens uh, are cryptids in my world. So, um this episode is directed by Yana Gorskaya and was written by Shana Gold. And um, the storyline that has our siren is that Laszlo, played by Matt Berry, and Colin, played by Mark Proch, are stealing a boat to sail to an island called Plum Island because that's where Colin Robinson, who is an energy vampire, <laughs> thinks that his heritage can be found. So just an island like next to Staten Island is where energy <laughs> vampires come from. It was like an old uh, dump. <laughs> and so on their way there, they're drawn off course by a strange song and they run aground on a different island that's inhabited by a siren named Sheila. And Sheila is this <laughs> disgusting looking half woman, half bird uh, who lives on the island. And she captures them both, of course, with her sweet song and plans to eat them. It is not a so, sweet song. It is. It's not a sweet song. It's horrible. Who, it's horrible. Who is that actress, Liz? The, uh, the place Sheila? Who, I do not I'll know. I'll she, have to look she it up. Is like, her voice is just hysterical. Yeah. yeah. No, it is, it is, it's it horrible. Is nails on a chalkboard voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, of course, Laszlo is able to escape because he just yells bat and turns into a bat and um, meets up with the other vampires and gets Guillermo, their uh, familiar slash bodyguard, to help him rescue Colin because Colin <laughs> is trapped on this island. So the way he's going to do that is he's going to get some noise-canceling headphones because that's going to be <laughs> what, what he can get on uh, Colin. So they go to Best Buy. The, they get a little bit sidetracked. Uh, but when he returns to the island, he finds that Colin has fallen in love with the siren. Um, legit, legit. And he doesn't, like, in legit love. in yeah. love. He doesn't want to leave. They're together. But 
Laszlo knows what's best for him, so he rescues him. But unfortunately, they leave some of their documentary crew behind. (laughs) (laughs) So this was my fun take on the siren myth. Uh, I think they are totally count as cryptids. This is absolutely hilarious. There's a great other storyline in the episode that has to do with my favorite character on the show, the doll of uh, Nadia. Uh, (laughs) So if you want something funny, silly, and cryptid forward, episode seven of the latest season of What We Do in the Shadows, you can see that on FX. Or if you have Hulu, it's streaming there. Are, Are you caught up? Liz? Yep. 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 Uh, it's this season uh, is even better than like yeah. the other seasons. Yep. It's, it's I'm wonderful. not quite caught up, so yeah, no spoiler alerts. Yeah. I it's did great. see the siren it's, though. I yeah. did see the siren. Yeah. I'm yeah. like three episodes behind, I think. Yeah. I, oh, okay. There was there's a there's a a big twist coming up. Uh oh. Yes, there is. Uh oh. Big. Uh oh. So. so. All right. Speaking of big twists, uh, this is a two <laughs> 2004 <laughs> mockumentary, which actually does have a huge twist at the end. Uh, and this is called Incident at. Loch Ness that we were just talking about. Ah. This was produced and written by Warner Herzog. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That Warner Herzog, like for real, like a for real director. And he did it with Crazy Werner. He did it with Zach mm-hmm. Penn, who is right. superhero guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And um it's a it's a it's a very, very small cast film that ostensibly follows um that it's it's a documentary that is based around a fake another fake documentary where a film crew is following Warner Herzog as he's making a documentary they're making a documentary documentary called Herzog in Wonderland uh, okay and it's following Warner Herzog as he himself is investigating the Loch Ness monster nice Zach Penn, being the superhero guy that he is, of course, is completely dissatisfied with, um, you know, just Warner Herzog being Warner Herzog, uh, and he decides to uh, turn it into a Hollywood production. He hires a Playboy bunny to uh, <laughs> as as the sonar operator, and he hires this entirely insane um, uh, cryptozoologist uh, uh, who is like completely off his rocker uh turns out the guy is not a cryptozoologist he is just an actor that zach pan has hired because he knows the guy is completely off his rocker but he really wants to sort of amp up the uh amp up the excitement in the film much to warner herzog's chagrin who is just pissed as hell when he finds out that Zach Penn is essentially undermining him at every step of the way throughout the course of the film. And Zach Penn plays himself in the film. Warner Herzog, of course, plays himself as they're investigating uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Herzog basically says, you know, the Loch Ness Monster, I mean, much like all the cryptozoology stuff is like a, you know, it's a creation of our, of our, you know, collective psychology. It's a, it's a creation of our needs to sort of figure things out or, or to, to sort of, um, to sort of put put things in place where things don't appear to be in place. I mean, that's his sort of intellectualized version of of what the, of what cryptozoology is. Um, they eventually do, you know, they do end up in Inverness. They do get out on the lake, and the fake documentary about the fake documentary. Uh, all I will say is it turns very real. Nice, and okay. it ends in a way. That you know, because it's it's very it's very funny, but it's sort of uh, darkly funny throughout the entire course of the film. 
but it does take a very and that's what that's that was my segue the twist uh, there is a twist and mm-hmm. it and it takes a very very different twist which I think is actually kind of fascinating the way they did it. It goes so, dark at the end. Yeah, it kind of goes a little dark at the end uh and you really but but it it goes dark in such a way that you don't necessarily know what's what. Uh What was the name of this again? It's called The Incident at Incident at Loch Ness. Uh, it's a 2000 okay. 2004 this film. It's great. It's really great. I mean even there's like the, you know early on in the film as they're getting like the production crew together um like they they actually hire a guy in the production crew. Uh, they hire a sound guy, they hire a cinematographer. I looked them up. They're these these guys that they hired, this the the sound guy who's part of the documentary and the cinematographer. They are Academy Award winning um auteurs who are do who are participating in the film slumming it yeah huh. but but then they have like you know they do a dinner party and like Jeff Goldblum's there and like you know, all these Hollywood type people nice. are there hanging out at Warner Herzog's film as they're discussing you know the the mythos around the Loch Ness monster <laughs> it's a it's a great film it's I think it was really really underrated uh, I think obviously I never but, heard of it yeah by the by the fact that you guys I never heard of it either this sounds cool I hadn't heard of it or seen it I think is a a clear indication of the fact that uh, most people haven't either, but it is. I, I would say it's it's very very underrated, and it 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 uh, definitely belongs on any cryptozoology list for sure. Yeah, the incident hmm. at Loch Ness. Well, I like it. Yeah, my number two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Picking up on on what you just did, I think there's something very um, appropriate for. A documentary style cryptid thing. I think that is really oh, yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. it's investigative uh-huh. journalism and it's the and and going back to our discussion about in search of which right. was, you know the, uh, I think if you had the the two the two biggest things to hap- happen to crypto one in search of two the X Files right you mm-hmm. know th- those yep. are the two your two landmark popular culture. Right. Kinds of kinds of uh, things that would explore all aspects of cryptid culture. Not and those three weird TV shows that John no, E. Wall referenced. No, which also <laughs> brings the question of the legitimacy of the existence of John E. Wall. Um, this is a film that I saw actually at the 2019 Popcorn Frights, um, and it's called The Vice Guide to Bigfoot. Oh, right. Uh, also known as, which is, it's come out as an on, on the new title, uh, they've retitled it, and it's called 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot, parentheses, number one will blow your mind. <laughs> and it's directed by a guy named Zach Lamplug. So this is, uh, a, the, the, the IMDB description of this is, a clickbait journalist, journalist is sent to the Appalachian foothills to cover a Bigfoot convention where he discovers there is much more to this listicle than meets the eye. And uh, that is the... You know, I think the clickbaity journalism thing, that is, if you've, if you've been on any website anywhere, mm-hmm. at the bottom of the things, it'll say, check out this crazy, crazy list, number one will blow your mind. Right, right, right. 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 Um, this is, it's a fun, shaky, shaky cam mockumentary that offers a great blistering satire of both hipster journalism and hillbilly <laughs> crypto fandom at the same time. I saw uh, that this is a... Again, it was on Popcorn Frights, and it and it's now it's now available um, streaming on YouTube. And uh, okay, it, oh, it, it 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 zigs and zags. Wait, you can stream it for follow. free on oh, like off the Vice channel. Oh, you can. 
No, that's what I'm asking. I, no, I don't think it's. I don't oh. know if it's. One of the funny things is I was digging around and I I couldn't find out whether it was really Vice that was behind this thing. Oh, I okay. Think, I, I think it might, but it's because it is it is satirical and it also really pokes fun at the notion of investigative journalism, right? Because right, right, uh, in right. this case, there's a, a, a young journalist named uh, Brian Emond playing himself. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. He's a bitter and burnt-out journalist who is concerned by, uh, consumed by the legitimacy of his journalistic ethics and methods. Uh, but, of course, he's working for, apparently, Vice has Vice. sent him on these crazy assignments like follow this this stoner rap artist and find you know and, and hang out with him for a day right right and, and just all these these dumb assignments that are bound to get people just to go to them because they're sensational and so you know he's he's grousing about you know he he lost his he lost a uh, one one of the prime prime interviews that he had to to this ex stoner rap artist again it's like. Apparently, Vice has this thing for stoner rap artists, um, <laughs> and and so that and then he gets says, "Okay, hey, listen, I got a good one for you. We're gonna send you out to Georgia and go hang out with at the Bigfoot convention." And he goes, "What? No!" <laughs> and he, but he gets he gets sent out there with with his pr- producer and cameraman, who actually is the director, uh, uh, Zach Lamplug, and um, they run into a bunch of crazy. Uh, Bigfoot people who uh, go to Bigfoot convention. Yeah, I think we're gonna call and, them crazy. And, 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 <laughs> and uh, they they get directed to a man who is believed to be the best Bigfoot tracker in the region, the cryptozoologist named Jeff Stevenson, aka the Cryptid Commander. This guy is clearly not a real professor, professional, <laughs> and he's a pretty sad specimen, a dropout loser who seems to be faking everything despite his fervent conviction that he's close to actually finding Sasquatch. In Atlanta? In Atlanta, yeah. Just, okay. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> they, 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 but they go, you know, so Sasquatch in Appalachia, it's like, yeah, oh. this is, you know, we're, right. this is, it's we're clo- in the wrong part clo- of the country. It's close enough. Um, close but he enough. teaches, you know, so he goes out there and he teaches these guys the Bigfoot mating call. And and you know off the distance they say they think they see something moving through the woods and it's like oh that that that's him that's him that's him it's Sasquatch and they sort of they scramble around it's like oh no what what you get and it's like you see like a hand right right or something or what might be a hand or it might be a, a branch hmm. it's like it's pretty you know it's classic dodgy Bigfoot yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, evidence right um, and then their first night in camp something wrecks their campsite something big enough to break a skillet right and so it's like oh he's onto us. We're right. We're on this trail. We've got the Bigfoot right in our tracks, and then they find a dead body, and just just completely mauled. What? But one of the crew? No, they, oh, okay. they, 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 just, they're, they're wandering a, out in the woods, and they sure, find sure. they oh, find okay. like what looks to be a, a hunter who was out in the woods, and okay. it's just like the just okay. the corpse, and um, and so they figure that Bigfoot must have gotten him. Now all of a sudden they've got you know the attention of the vice crew, the two guys out there. It's like oh wow. Now we're on to something, and they start, start taking it seriously, and then they get lost. And then on a private aside, Jeff, the 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 crypto commander, confesses to a to his own. He, he runs his own video podcast, and he's like, he he's so excited to be associated with Vice because this is going to get him like to the next level. Right. But he 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 admits that he had faked the whole <laughs> the whole the the, the okay. night, first night in camp, but he's really spooked because of the dead body they found. Right, right. He wasn't ready for that and now he's like, I think we really might be on to something. Um 
but uh, then they, you know, the, but the, so they, it becomes unveiled that Jeff had been planting some of these things and that nobody trusts anybody. Right. And then the real shit happens because they run into a backwoods fent- fentanyl opioid production facility. And no good. They are in serious doo doo. But do we get? So wait, you saw you saw this in 2019. 2019. Okay, because it's it's saying it was just released in twenty twenty one. Right. So that's no, that's so it's, but so it was it was yeah. it was in the festival circuit. Right, right, right. So now it's it's like it's out. A, it's out. Yeah, yeah, you can watch it on uh, Hulu too. Okay. Yeah. Um. So uh, the thing is, do we get to see Bigfoot? Was it all a ruse? Do you get to know number, number one will blow your mind? Do you get to know the number one? Yes. Do they, they they tell you the number one? They show you the number one. Oh, awesome! And it's awesome. and it is it is totally I worth see, it. I want to see is, this. It is yeah. it it is laugh out loud funny. The you know because I I think both the scouring because it's like you know these the the hipster journalists I, I, I you feel sorry for journalists nowadays because right. the, the the great print journalism jobs are gone. The ceiling is pretty low. Yeah, and now and now you're sort of stuck on trying to get clickbaity stuff. Stoner rappers yeah, and stone. Bigfoot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that is that is the Vice Guide to Bigfoot, aka 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot. Number one will blow. I want. I want to see it. Okay. I want to see that Check for it sure. Out. Liz. All right. My number one is a 2015 film called The Lore. I am going to apologize in advance for oh. all the Polish names that I am about to slaughter <laughs> in this review. Wow, you're going there. But, okay. Um, yeah. This is a Polish horror musical about <laughs> mermaids. Yes. Um, <laughs> it is directed by Agnieszka Smozinka, um, and it tells the tale of two mermaids who emerge from the water to perform in a nightclub. Um, <laughs> so their names are Golden and Silver, and this takes place sometime in the 80s, and they come up to shore on a beach in Poland where the rock band that's called Figs and Dates just happens to be performing <laughs> on the beach. Uh, so they go back with the band to this nightclub and uh, they become strippers slash backup dancers <laughs> for this band. Um, Underground pole. This is like the 80s. Like, like this is supposed to be taking place in like 80s. It's the 80s, yeah. Uh, but these are not just regular like Disney Little Mermaids. These are ones that also have a taste for blood. So Golden murders like a bar patron after the show. And then Silver, she falls in love, of course, with the bassist in the band. Um, but he only sees her as a fish and not a woman. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> the girls go out one night where they meet Triton from the sea. And he is also the singer of a metal band. And he <laughs> tells Golden that her sister is going to fall in love, uh, you know, but that guy is going to marry someone else. And if she doesn't murder him, she's going to turn into sea foam and, you know, lose her... T- Tail and die. Classic Little Mermaid. Um, but she's like, no, that's not going to happen. So in order to be with this guy, she gets her tail completely chopped off. Oh, but she has to murder gnarly. someone else in order to get the legs of another girl sewn onto her, you know, in a classic oh, leg transplant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but of course. The boy is not going to appreciate this because when they finally hook up, once she's got her legs, all that happens is blood from her scar comes out all over him, and he's pretty grossed out. So, do they what does he do, do they show the tail chopping? 
Heck yeah, they do. Ooh. Heck yeah, they do. This is a horror movie and musical. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> but of course, he meets another woman and he's going to marry her. So Golden and Silver are like, well, I guess we're going to go to the wedding. And um, Silver's like, she's got to either, she's got to murder this guy before daybreak or she's going to turn in the sea foam, not be able to go back to the sea. She's going to lose her voice. She's going to lose her legs and everything. But she just can't do it. So she turns into Seafoam, which is the ending of the real Little Mermaid, not the Disney one. But <laughs> don't worry. Her sister is so pissed that she just rips his throat out in front of everybody on the boat at his wedding oh. to avenge her death. Yeah. <laughs> so no spoilers because it's Little Mermaid. But set in the 80s Poland with lots of cocaine, lots of nudity, this is like lots the- of terrible, terrible songs. This is but, like the antidote, yeah. antidote kind of awesome to uh, Splash time. with Daryl Hannah. It is. Yes. It, <laughs> I, 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 I saw this a, a few years ago, and I, I, I put a rating on this thing. Uh, I, I, I got a post on uh, uh, on the site. Uh-huh. It was one of the weirdest movies I've did ever you seen. Really? I didn't even yeah. look. It's it's totally weird. What did you What did you give? I it? gave it two and a half stars. Two and a half. Okay. I, I didn't know what to I'd do with it. I give it a three. I I would probably yeah. in in hindsight I I still have fond memory. I still remember it. And so I think that I'm I'm probably more likely to recast it as a three than a two and a half. It's okay, yeah. but I think that the songs are awful. I just can't. They're oh, like, they're terrible. And and you have to sit through that. That's the hardest part. And it's a musical, so you got a lot mm-hmm. of them. Um, yep. It is, but the 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 mermaid effects are spectacular. Oh, the mermaid effects are yeah. awesome, and they're not like they're gross. Their yeah. tails are gross. Yeah, and it's like so. there's like and there's like weird fish genitalia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just weird, weird stuff. And, oh yeah, there's and, tons of nudity, tons of blood, tons of drugs, tons plot, of sex. The, this is not the plot is really the Disney Little Mermaid. I had to give it a couple of runs through just to grasp. Wait, you've what watched it more than was. one time? Oh, I backed it up. Oh, I mean, okay. it was like I, okay. I'd watch it. and I was like, what did I just see? It's like so I was constantly rewinding it. It's like, what am I? What am I missing here? Uh, and partly it's also because you know it's in Polish. And then you're right. interrupted by musical numbers, and so right. just trying to get find or figure out what the motivations are is is difficult. But it is it is a unique experience. I will give. Yes, right. it is. And it right. is. Yes, it is. It's and wild. it's cryptid. It's very cryptid, and it's, it's dank mermaids. and dirty, and yeah, and yep, and yep, like unlike anything you've ever seen. All right, lured. That's lure. true. The lure. The, the lure. lure. The, yeah. The, the, 2015. Uh, yep. ha- yeah. Hats off to the to the prosthetics and makeup crew. That was amazing. Oh stuff. man, they're yeah. The yeah, make- tails are. Awesome. Make sure you put 2015 next to the lure because there are literally like a thousand films titled. Yeah. Yeah. The lure. 2015. <laughs> yep. All right. My okay. uh, last film of the night is directed by Eduardo Miguel Sanchez Quiros, uh, the Cuban Cuban American born director who was responsible, along with Daniel Murek, for writing and directing The Blair Witch Project. Yeah. He did a film called. Uh, this is a uh, this is a film uh, from 2014 because uh, he hadn't done a ton a ton a ton of stuff, but this is an American found footage monster horror film called Exists. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, which um, has gotten pretty uneven reviews out there, but I really liked it. Uh, it it evol- it revolves around a group of friends who go they're headed out to the woods in East Texas. To visit uh, the one of the gentleman's uh, uncles uh, to go stay at his cabin out in the middle of the woods, 
And on their way out to the woods, they stop, of course, and buy fireworks, uh, which they're you know shooting off in the car, not paying attention to where they're driving uh, in the middle of the night, and they hit something. Uh, they get out to investigate to see what they have hit. They cannot figure out what they have hit, but they do hear <laughs> horrible moans and howling and growling. Uh, and of course, they chalk it up to, you know, cougar, mountain lion, panther, sure. whatever uh, is, um, uh, whatever is endemic to uh, South, <laughs> Southeast United States right. of that ilk. Uh, they go to the cabin and eventually uh, learn that. Uh, what they hit was a Bigfoot. Oh, not a chupacabra. Uh. Not a chupacabra. No, it was, they hit a Bigfoot, and the Bigfoot, uh, they, 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 pre- they, they preface the entire film by saying, you know, the Bigfoot is a very peaceful creature unless provoked. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, guess what? They, they or hit, hit by a car. They, they hit one of the Bigfoot babies, and the Bigfoot mom and dad are none too pleased with this group of... Uh, hipster documentarians who are making a uh, making a film out in the woods, and that's of course the found footage piece of the film, and that's of course why uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Sanchez uh, that he goes back to you know what what he knew in the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the tension is great, the Bigfoot creatures are great, the characters are a little flat, they're a little one dimensional. But that's okay because you don't get a lot of time to really think about the characters because they the 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 group of five friends is essentially under assault like almost immediately. I was I was sort of surprised because it didn't really give you a lot of time to breathe. Mm-hmm. Like they they hit the Bigfoot like in the first probably I don't know three or four minutes of the film, mm-hmm. and then it's on from there. And then it becomes a siege movie. It, it's kind of a siege movie, yeah, or a home invasion <laughs> siege movie and it, it it never takes its foot off the gas like pretty much the the entire film. Like you're 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 in for it like immediately, immediately. Um a gentleman from the Austin Chronicle said he gave uh the uh Richard uh Richard Whitaker, I think was his name. Uh he uh said that you know, he gave it a predominantly positive review and he, he said that um the film held a lot of similarities uh to the blair witch but he does evade a lot of the bear traps and he returns the tension and pathos to the monster movie like you really mm. do feel like in this film and i think to a certain extent in the film i mentioned earlier uh less so in the in the middle film i mentioned but you do feel you do feel a certain pathos to the Bigfoot character or the the, the Falk monster, like you know the, the people are out there trying to hunt this thing, or that this thing's, um, you know this thing's habitat has been so significantly degraded that it's forced to interact with human beings, and and you do you do start to, I, at least I I I I had those feelings when I was watching a couple of these films. And it is kind of sad. It does pull at your heartstrings. Um, although, <laughs> uh, poor uh, baby, baby Bigfoot. Although these Bigfoots are uh-huh. these Bigfoots are pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> and you do you do see the end result of them being pissed off in 2014's exists. All right. Yeah. Hey, Eric, bring us on home. Well, What's your number uh, one. Number one, I just saw two days ago. What in the theaters? 
It is uh, the much-anticipated Antlers. Yeah. Uh, yes. Directed by Scott Cooper, who also directed. Uh, he, he's he's not. This is his first real horror foray. He did Black Mass and Hostiles. He's he does a lot of uh, tense thriller dramas. Okay. Oh, okay. So you know the, the Black Mass being like a mob drama, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that features a Wendigo, and the Wendigo is a, a cryptid most commonly associated with. Algonquin native legend. Uh, it's a malevolent spirit imbued with both human, both human and animalistic properties, and it is known to uh, invoke feelings of insatiable greed, hunger, and a desire to cannibalize other humans or commit murder in those who fall under its influence. Uh, mm-hmm. It's known for its foul stench and is often associated with cold and wintry weather. Now, uh, in uh, this is a uh, film done by Fox Searchlight, so it, it, they they sort of this is another one of those movies that got bounced. It was supposed to be issued last year, and because yep. of the pandemic, they wanted to have a theatrical release, so it just came out for Halloween season this year. Uh, I don't know at you know if we get this this uh, podcast up soon, it may still be in theaters, but it's running. It's 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 got a wide release. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be in the theaters. I do recommend you you see it on a big screen. It's beautiful. I agree. It's, I caught it yep. the day after Eric. So uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of horror fans are, are will, have known about this movie. We've for been a while. waiting for this one. Yeah. <laughs> this was on our looking forward to in 2020 in two, list yeah. that we recorded at the end of 2019. Yeah. Right, right. So two years yeah. in a row, it's been something that we've <laughs> been mm-hmm. looking forward to, and it does not yep. disappoint. It is really, really good. I, it is, it Agreed. is. The, uh, I think I liked it even probably a little bit more than Liz. I gave this is the first five star movie I've given this year. I give it a four. Yeah. So um, that's a lot. This is uh, it's a somber and wonderfully layered folkloric horror film. Mm-hmm. I thought every scene was meaningful and every action was consequential. Uh, and through masterful storytelling, it weaves together themes of post-traumatic stress syndrome, of domestic abuse, uh, the body horror of opioid dependency, lycanthropy, native mysticism, and folklore storytelling. It's got a lot of stuff going on. And it and it is a Swiss watch. Everything, mm-hmm. everything about it has that that is it is, um, every action is tied to consequences that happen later on in the film. And I and to the point where I just didn't want to. I had to classic. Mike knows this. I'll have a big diet soda going into the theater. And <laughs> I was like, and it's like I gotta I gotta go, but I can't leave the theater because I don't want to miss any of it. Right. And right. I, I and unfortunately I missed a point. Where it was like oh. Oh shoot! So I found out later there was a, there was a key a, a small key moment, but they're all key moments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the the overriding story here is that um, Carrie Russell is Julia Meadows, um, and she is a, a a teacher returning back to a, a small backwoods Oregon town. Uh, they it would look to be in the Cascades. I don't think it's or- Mike and I talked about this yesterday. I think that it might be. They might have shot some of it in the Cascades, uh, but a lot of it looks like it was shot in British Columbia. Do they, um, do they say what the Oregon town is? Uh, it's called Point something. It's not a. It's not a. T- it's it's a fictional town. Oh, like, goodness gracious! It looked like the same place they filmed The Tall Man. To be honest with you, because it was like yeah. an abandoned mining yeah. town, okay. or 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 uh, you know, could have been the North Cascades. Sure. Um, but there's a big bodies of water nearby that would suggest that's not British that's, Columbia. That's not that's the British not the San Iam or the Mackenzie right. or anything like that. Anyways, uh, but she and her brother Paul, played by Jesse Plemons, who is now the the town sheriff where they grew up, are living together 
in their um, in their old family home where their father had died, um, and he he is um, or they they were both they're both survivors of child abuse at the hands of their father, and she immediately picks up signs that. One of her students, Lucas, is having difficulties at home. His homework assignments are graphic and grim. He draws these horrific illustrations of, like, cannibalistic or monsters eating people. Uh, and and uh, and he's telling. And and when she asks people to tell stories, he has this. He spins this folkloric tale of darkness and dread. And it's like, well, red flags. This kid's this kid's uh, having some trauma, and the what his his father his mom had died a long time ago, and his father recently in the opening scene of the of the movie, he's a opioid junkie, and yeah. he also is a mm-hmm. uh, he also is a meth producer, uh-huh. and they're doing it in an abandoned mine, and he and his partner get jumped by something. That's the and that's gets, the Wendigo, and yep, it turns out he he survives the ordeal. His partner gets destroyed. Yeah, and but his father staggers back to the house, and he's been sort of hiding out, turning degen- uh, degenerating into into a Wendigo oh. in the attic of the house. And so Lucas is going out there and killing wildlife, or finding roadkills and throwing roadkills in the attic to feed his 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 slowly transforming father oh, and his and his awesome. little brother, who's getting mm-hmm. con- progressively sicker and sicker. Do they explain like what the Wendigo is, or they, did... yeah, and they have a little they bit. Do. They do, and this is where I think Graham Greene. Is great, it like the, through exposition or narration, or do they give you a definition? Or they give they you just... they give you a, an exposition dump in the form of Graham Greene, uh, who okay. uh, dances mm-hmm. with wolves. Oh no! It's like okay, we'll bring the in a famed native, and a native. Uh, he he used to be the old sheriff, right? Right. And, and he sort of gives you the background of the Wendigo, which I just okay. described. Okay. And, okay. Um, so they, they do they do they, explain they it. do explain it. I really wish they could have used that. That is my one gripe about the movie is I think Graham Greene, if you're gonna have him in the movie, use him more. Yeah, yeah use him a little bit more. Um, right, right. And uh, but eventually, there a lot of signs point to the the problems at Lucas's family's home. Yeah. So then the sheriff, the brother, yeah, and the school district, and. Uh, you know the the, the uh, and and the natives are all sort of keying in on there's something wrong here, right? And um, but the, there there are there, again every, since everything is finely meshed, yeah. it makes sense that why hasn't anybody gone and checked on the kid? Well, because the dad's a junkie and nobody wants to mess with a junkie dad, and he's he's managed in the past. It's like he's got custody of the kid. What can I do? But I mean, is that is that ultimately the allegory here? Is it that that the Wendigo is? Tantamount to methamphetamine and opioids. I think you can make that. You can uh, again. Yeah, I mean, is that is that what they're trying to tease? Draw out? that line. There are, which there is, are, I'm not saying it's bad or no, anything. No, there, there just, are definite. The there are definite horrors involved with the transformation of sure. the junkie. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, and make of it what you will. I think right. you can. I think you can definitely make that connection. So it's a it's a modern horror story. Yeah. yeah. And as well as also, you know, standing up to this monster are two right. people who've been horribly abused. Right. Both in Lucas, the little boy, and in Julia, the Carrie Russell character. Right. Um, fighting back. The the Wendigo, the most important thing here okay. is that they did the Wendigo right. Okay. Oh, the, yeah. The, the creature effects are great. Uh, they're spectacular creature effects. It's gory. Because uh, they've tried to do it before. We've, we've, we've seen it with um, Larry Fessenden. Oh. 
movie <laughs> Wendigo. Shrink of the Mutilated is a Yeti. Know the difference between a Wendy and a, Yan- a, a, a Yeti wedi. and a Wendigo? A Wendy? A, a Wendy and a, a Yendigo? Um, and uh, the, uh, the, the transformation sequence is, is uh, like a... It, 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 I think it's a physical... Um, not a not a, 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 a digital FX kind of a thing, or it didn't seem like it to me. Okay, um, they look great. They, they look great. They look great, and there's this really gross. I mean, there's a there's some really uh, yucky kind of things, like the guy, the, the the dad's face is still stuck on the face of the creature. Oh, after that's transforms. the best part. Yeah. That was like, oh, oh, that's awful. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. Spoiler and, alert. Yeah, spoiler but, alert. But yeah, the, that's that's a minor spoiler alert. I sure. think because really, what it comes down to is. How do you deal with the Wendigo? Because the Wendigo is also known to leap from host to host. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and and so, anyways, go see the movie. It is uh, it is Agreed. playing playing out in in theaters, um, and it almost certainly it, it's probably going to get more than a shutter release. It's a bigger movie than that. Okay. Yes, I agree. So, uh, and Good that choice. would yeah. I want to see. It. I think this is the first time ever. I want to see every single film Eric mentioned. <laughs> Well, how about that? Normally, it's I'm like yeah. two two out of three, <laughs> but tonight it's three out of three. I want to see all these films. I want to see Antlers. I want to see Shriek of the Mutilated. I want to see all of yeah. them. Yep. So let's let's do a recap. Yeah. Heck yeah, Liz. What do you got for your cryptid horror? Okay, I had 2002's The Mothman Prophecies, uh, directed by Mark Pellington. I had the this season, What We Do in the Shadows, episode number seven, The Siren, directed by Jana Gorska, and 2015's Polish horror musical, The Lore, directed by Angeska Smozinka. Yeah, Sorry. You're, if you're in the mood for batshit crazy. Sorry, Polish people. Go see The Lore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I had 1972's uh, American docudrama horror film, The Legend of Boggy Creek, directed by Charles Pierce. Uh, Incident at Loch Ness, 2004, directed by oh little guy named Warner Herzog. <laughs> and finally, uh, another kind of big name, possibly one of the biggest names in horror in the last 30 years, uh, Eduardo Miguel Sanchez Quiros, who directed uh, 2014's Exists. All right. Uh, I had uh, the tr- trashy and no-brow film Shriek of the Mutilated from 1974, directed <laughs> by Michael Findlay. If you if you can handle if you can handle bad acting and and oh, a yes. bad-looking movie, it'll oh, yes. it, it will entertain. Um, I also have the Vice Guide to Bigfoot from 2019, aka 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind, uh, and that is directed by Zach Lamplug. And then finally, the just-released Antlers, directed by Scott Cooper. And uh, I highly, highly recommend you go see this this yeah. movie. I think I, this, these are the kind of movies I want to see more of. Heck yeah. All right. Mm. Mike, you've got a tagline. Uh, well, no. I, let's go, do you want to do your tagline first? Or you want to do my tagline? I, I, I actually, I kind of half spoiled my tagline. It was going to be number. It, it is number one will blow your mind. Oh, uh, okay. But I wanted to weave that 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 part into the. You don't want to do the the shriek of the mutilated. I mean, well, the that, shriek of the mutilated ones. That the, uh, that's yeah. it's 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 amazing. A frenzied hunt for a hideous beast uncovers an evil cannibal cult, and death is the devil's blessing. A corpse is the bait. In the trap of terror, shriek of the mutilated. 
<laughs> it's pretty, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that's like three taglines in one. <laughs> <laughs>